0: God is good and all the time. If you are new here, my name is John and I am blessed to serve as a pastor here. I want to thank you for being here today. If I uh, haven't had a chance to, to meet you, my wife, Joy, and I would love to meet you. We'll be in the foyer right after the service. Uh, even have a gift for you if you'd like to stop by and say hi. I would love an opportunity. Uh, to meet you. We are in week three of our series entitled Material World. And when we talk about material world, we realize that it is difficult. Let me rephrase that. For me, it is difficult to be happy with what I have and not want more. Do you guys identify with me in that? You seem reluctant to want to uh, admit that. That's all right. I know the truth. And so this idea of always wanting more. I mean, we, we spend billions of dollars on advertisement, right? So that you can know what you need and have to have, right? That's what the whole industry is about. And we spent the last couple weeks talking about that. Really, Ed Holland kind of laid the foundation for us as we talked about in week one, divine ownership. If I am going to conquer materialism and learn to handle money and resources and even my time like God wants me to then the first the foundational piece of that is that i have to realize that everything belongs to god i often quote first chronicles 29:11 i adore you god as being in control of all things riches and honor come from you alone it is by your hand that men are made great and given power. It's a reminder for me and for us. God is in control. God is sovereign and all belongs to him. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So divine ownership. Last week we talked about the idea that relationship has its privileges, right? That I don't got to give, I don't got to serve, as you heard Donna mention this morning, but I get to serve, I get to give back, and when we acknowledge that as followers of Jesus, we've been adopted into the family of God, and we live in that perspective and that reality, it changes everything, it changes our perspective, and so it moves from I got to serve to I get to serve, or I got to give to I get to give. Today, we're going to talk about contentment, and the basic, like, dictionary definition of contentment is this. A state of happiness or satisfaction, right? I can't get no, right? Even though I try and I try and I try. There's a famous theologian that sang about that, right? (laughs) But satisfaction, like fulfillment and peace and like just setting in the moment, I'm... You guys... Sometimes it's a little bit hard to to, uh, identify or to quantify or define contentment, but you know when you're content, right? And just kind of breathe easy and life is good. I was content yesterday at 4.15 to sit down and watch a basketball game. (laughs) And then my contentment fleeted (laughs) like that. If you don't know, I'm a... Kansas Jayhawk basketball fan, and Rock Chalk Jayhawk, thank you. So, I have an illustration for you. Now, this is a story I heard. I heard Jonathan Picluda tell this story, and I cannot say that I identify it very well. It doesn't really reflect me, but maybe it would reflect you. And he tells the story of he got up one morning and had his coffee. Everything was great. Had his Bible study. Had just enough time. He had planned his morning out to get to his next meeting. He was ready to go. He went to the car and realized he didn't have his what? His keys. He misplaced his keys. He went to where they usually are. Looks for his keys. They're not there. And immediately he does what I'm not saying I ever do this, but he did this. He said, honey, where did you put my keys? To which she said, well, maybe I put them on the hook by the garage. And he went to look at the hook in the garage and his keys were not there. Honey, they're not there. Where did you put them? I never have done this. He, this is his story. And then he would say, maybe you left them in your pant pocket. She went and looked in her pants, or his pants, not her pants. That's a weird, that's another story. And... (laughs) Back to the story, right? Keys aren't there, wherever there is, all right? Can't find them. Honey, where did you... they're not there. And then, of course, he did this. I don't do this. He said, honey, when I put my keys on the counter, don't move my keys. He said this. I did not. This is his story, not mine. And she said, I don't think I, I, don't think I moved your keys. Apparently, you did because they're not where I left them. Anybody identify with that? Not me, this has never happened. I was shocked to hear this story. And so (laughs) he does what everyone does. He goes in circles back to every other place he's already looked like all of a sudden they must have appeared on the hook by the garage, right? And then his story, he says that his wife then asked the most annoying question ever asked by a spouse where did you last have them? (laughs) If I knew that, this is his story. He said, if I knew that, I wouldn't be asking you where my keys were. And then he remembered, I have a tile on my key ring. I'm gonna get my phone out, pull the app up, hit the button, and he begins to hear a beeping noise. And the keys were in his pocket <laughs> the whole time. And he made this statement. What I thought I needed for contentment was with me the entire time. And in one moment, life was content. When he couldn't find the keys, chaos. Ensued. But the entire time, what he needed for contentment was with him. I want you to think about that statement as we walk through this. First Timothy chapter six this morning. First Timothy chapter six. And as you turn there or open up your phone or your tablet or whatever you might be looking, let me give you a quick background. So Paul is writing to Timothy, you know, his mentee, he has mentor Timothy, a younger man in ministry. And in the first couple verses of 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul warns Timothy that apparently there are some religious leaders, some people who are preaching and teaching for the sake of money. Now, we see that in our culture today, right? There are people that preach and teach merely for gain, like they're after money. And so Paul is telling Timothy, don't be that guy. Don't be greedy. Don't be dishonest. Don't be using the gospel The platform of the gospel for financial gain, for money. That's the context. And then he follows up in verse number six. He says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be, what's the word? content, satisfied, fulfilled. But those who desire to be rich, listen to the words that he uses to describe, those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, a snare, and to many foolish and harmful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Our culture is drowning in debt. Because we haven't conquered this materialism to learn to be content. Then he says, for the love of money is a root, not, not money. Money's not the money's not the issue, right? Money's not the evil. It's the love and the pursuit of and the, the coveting, the, the uncontrolled desire to acquire. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have even strayed from their faith in their greediness. And in their greediness, they pierced themselves through many sorrows. So it's pretty clear what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, don't be greedy, do be content. Don't be greedy, be content. All right, now flip over a few pages to Philippians. In Philippians chapter four, this, is this teaching on contentment, being satisfied with what such things you have, don't be greedy, is not an isolated teaching in scripture. Paul talks about it again in Philippians 4, and and most of us know Philippians 4, 13, right? Can you quote it with me? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, okay? And it's probably the most misused verse in all of culture, right? Because it doesn't mean that you can hit a home run when you step up to the plate. It doesn't mean, you know, okay, you're going to pass the test when you didn't even study. Verse 10 Gives us a little bit of context before we get to 11. Paul says, I rejoice greatly now at last. Your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, you lacked opportunity. In other words, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. And what Paul is saying, really the basic understanding of the letter, is that we can have joy in suffering. But he's writing specifically to the church to thank them for their generosity. And he's saying here in verse 10, You helped me before in my ministry, and now you've helped me again. I'm thanking you for your generosity. And he says then in verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have, what's the word there? Learned in whatever state I am to be, what's the word? Content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I have, what's the word? Learned both to be full and hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me Strength. The context of verse 13 is I can be content in my suffering. I can be content with Christ. It's Christ who sustains me. It's Christ who gives me contentment. It's Christ who fulfills me. It's Christ who satisfies me. I can learn to be content, and we realize that unfortunately, we are not born content. You guys have been there when the baby was born, right? They don't usually come out laughing and cooing. In fact, you want them to be what? Crying, because you know they've got, that crying brings air into their lungs. It's healthy, but it's also a sign that I'm not happy where I'm at. I was happy where I was at. I'm no longer happy. But, But contentment can be What's the word? Learned. It doesn't come natural to us. We're not naturally content. And oftentimes when we come to a place of contentment, we quickly lose contentment. We misplaced our keys and it's all my wife's fault. That's what he said. That's not what I said. So let's before we learn the secret of contentment, most English translations in verse number 12, it says Paul says, I've learned the secret to be content. What's the secret to be content? I think before we learn the secret of contentment, we first let's identify three things that contentment is not. Where contentment is not found. The first one is this, contentment is not found in consumption, right? Uh, as again, we'll quote another famous theologian, notorious B.I.G said, mo' money, more problems, right? Have you found that to be true? I heard a statement by Rick Warren that said, most people are starving on the income they dreamed that they would have 20 years ago. John Bacluda said this, the rich are infinitely better off than the poor. Hold on. For while the poor may think money will bring them happiness, the rich know better. Let me make that statement again. The rich are infinitely Better off than the poor. For while the poor may think money will bring them happiness, the rich know it won't. Contentment is not found in consumption. That's what Paul said I know how to be in need and I know how to have plenty. That whether I have a lot or where I have not, I can be content because my contentment is found in Christ. It's not in things, it's not in consumption. Number two, contentment is not found in circumstances. He said, I've learned in verse 12, this is the NIV. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And what is the situation Paul finds himself while he's writing this letter? Prison. He's in prison, and Paul is saying that even in the prison, I can have peace, I can have contentment. I've learned the secret, and it's not in my circumstances. Happiness is based on our happenings. Contentment is really found in, only found in Christ. Let me see if I can uh, illustrate this very quickly this morning. How many of you think I did such a great job drawing these words out? Is there one person that thinks I was capable of drawing these beautiful letters? Kason thanks so, thank you. Fellow Jayhawk fan, so thank you. No, Maddie Matthews did, so I thank, thank you, Maddie, for doing this. I, I want us to illustrate it this way, very quick. Here, you guys are so good, here, there. Contentment is not, the, contentment is not complacency. I want to illustrate it this way. So the question is, can I be here and be content, but still want to be over there. So, I think the audience is about 50-50, like, hmm, I feel the tension in the room. The truth is, yes, I can be content here and still strive to be there. Like, it's okay to have a goal. Like, we want you to go to college. We want you to get a job. We want to pay for yourself. We don't want you to live at home. You can be content here as a 15 year old, but as a 21 year old, you can't be content here. Can I get an amen? Okay. We want you over there, right? I can be content here while I'm striving to be there. Let me see if I can illustrate this a little better. So when, when Joy and I were in college, we made lots of money. We were so rich. I made $5 an hour and Joy made three twenty-five dollars an hour. She was raking in the money, right? We were going to school full-time, newly married, and you know what? Every two weeks when we got paid, oh, life was so good, and we would splurge. And you know what our splurge meal was every two weeks? Steak? No. I'll show you a picture. This was our splurge meal, I, I'm not lying. Every two (laughs) weeks. It's party in a box, right? How many of you could go for Totino's pizza Fritos and French onion. dip? Anybody? How many of you think that sounds absolutely disgusting? Okay. I don't care what you think. Okay. So when we were in college, we were 19 years old, newly married, Every two weeks, we got a paycheck. And you know what we were content with when we were here? Totino's Pizza. It was a party. You know how long it's been since I've had that meal? Because I had a desire to get from over there to the new here. Like it was okay for... It was contentment, like we enjoyed the pizza every. I mean, I'm serious. We looked forward to payday in this splurge of a meal. Praise God for Totina's Pizza. I'm kind of getting hungry talking about it. But I wasn't complacent. So don't confuse contentment with complacency. You're going to have a goal to move from here to there, but while you're here, be here. Be content with what such things you have. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. All right, number three. Contentment is not found in consumption, it's not found in circumstances, and it's definitely not found in comparison. Second Corinthians 10, 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, a lot of themselves, are not, what's the last word? Wise, it's foolish to compare ourselves. Comparison kills contentment and it creates coveting. Let me say it again. Comparison kills contentment and it creates coveting. Remember one of the 10 commandments, Exodus, thou shalt not, what? Covet. Comparison always leads us to covet. If if you're taking notes, you might wanna get your phone out and take a picture of the screen because it's gonna go by quick. I I just came across this this week by Mingo Palacios. He talks about comparing, four areas. Comparing our abilities causes jealousy. Comparing our appearance causes inferiority. Comparing our possessions causes envy. And comparing our achievements causes anxiety. Comparison kills contentment, creates coveting. Coveting is the uncontrolled desire to acquire. So contentment is not found in consumption. It's not found in circumstances. It's not found in comparison. So our our text Learn to be content. I've learned the secret of being content. I want to give you four things about how to be content, how to learn to be content. The first three are directly from the text. The, The fourth one is what you see all over Scripture. Number one is this. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. Let's go back to our original text, 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And remember, Timothy has told them, don't be greedy like some of the religious people. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then look in verse number 17. Command those who are rich in this present age. Okay, and real quick, before you stop, before we move on, and you've already tuned out because most of you are going to assume this is not talking to you because you're not rich. That's what we have a tendency to do. I, I looked up this week um, on income. You know, the, the average income of a family in America today is $67,000. And if you make $67,000, do you know what, where that places you on the world income? You're in the top 1% of the world. And income. So when Paul says, command those in this world that are rich, it's you. We, I know we don't feel it. I, I get it. Your income is more than 23.7 times the global median. I, I like this website I looked up because then they said, well, so what if you gave 10% of your income? How would that impact you? Like if you gave 10% to your church or nonprofit, and guess what? You're still in the top 1% of the world. All right, so what did Paul say? It all applies to us. Verse 17, let's go back to our text. Command those, this is 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Trust in God. Isn't it easy to trust in yourself or your income or your job or your career or you fill in the blank? And what Paul is saying is don't trust in riches. Don't trust in anything except God. If I'm going to learn to be content, number one, I got to put my trust in God. Number two, I got to enjoy what I have. Enjoy what I have. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to, what's the last word? Enjoy. Did you enjoy the sunrise this morning? I did. Some of you weren't up, I know. I was... Unlocking in the family center on this side of the building, the east side, and just watched the sun rise up as I walked through the classrooms. God's creation is amazing, isn't it? You know how I think about how richly God has given us all things to enjoy? You, you realize that that food, like food is fuel, right? I mean, I don't want to get into like, The truth is, most of the time I eat food for enjoyment, not because it's fuel. That's why I look like I look, all right? You should eat food for fuel, not for enjoyment, right? But then I think, God created all these taste buds. And then Cinnabon showed up. Enjoy all things that God has given us, right? I'm not sure if that's really what the text is saying, but... Maybe we could illustrate this way, all right? Let's get two more words, all right? Can you read it, that word? Then, what's this word? When. Here's the problem with most of us. We have this mentality. When I get to high school, well, then I'll be happy. Or when, I get out of high school, well, then I'll be happy. When I get to college, then I'll be happy. When I get out of college, I'll be happy. When I get a job to pay all the debt for my college, then I'll be happy. When I get out of my parents' house, my parents will be happy, no, then I'll be happy. When I get married, well, then I'll be happy. When I can have a child, well, then I'll be happy. When this child goes to high school and gets his driver's license, then I'll be happy. When this child goes to college, well, then I'll be happy. When he gets out of my house, then I'll be happy. when he has a grandkid, well then, I'll be happy. And we live in this world, don't we? When, then. And the truth is, if we don't learn to be content here, we'll never be content when we get there. Because contentment is not found in our circumstances. It's not found in more stuff. It's found in Christ. Enjoy what you have. The old saying, be where your boots are, right? Just enjoy the moment for what it is. All right, number three. Invest in eternity. 1 Timothy 6, verse 18. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works. Ready to give, willing to share. Rich in good works. One of the best ways for you to be content with what you have is to serve others. Be rich in good works. I love that this week, you know, our students on their spring break, many of them spent three days this week serving in different neighborhood needs Union Gospel Mission and Arlington Mission. I mean, how awesome was it that um, Leslie, who was up here working with student ministry, she volunteered her time to take high school and middle school students. Carlos, our student pastor, led them to do that. I talked to some of them before church, and they just got to share with me how God, they, they got to go into low-income apartments, knock on doors, and just share the gospel with people and have a little Bible club in apartment complex. Isn't that awesome? Serving others leads me to be content. You know, a couple of weeks ago, one of our young, in fact, our young married couples class, they began to pray and ask God, give us an opportunity to serve. So they begin to pray and sudden, someone says, I have an opportunity. There's people that are moving from another country and they need help. They have an apartment that needs to be furnished. And this young couples connect group decided that they were gonna get together and get all the furniture needed for this family to move in and they went and moved it in their apartment. Isn't that amazing? You have an opportunity to sign up and serve this morning. And it's, listen, it's important that you serve in your church. But I'd say it's more important that you serve as the church. And that's in your neighborhood. That's at your work. That's in your school. The, the, the relationships, the opportunities that God. And, and so this is what he says. Rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Verse number 19. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Listen, there's two things in the world that are going to last forever. It's the word of God and people. And what am I investing my time, my energy, my resources in. Eternal things are temporary. Put your trust in God, enjoy what you have, invest in eternity. Number four, this is what we see all over Scripture practice an attitude of gratitude. Just be grateful for what God has blessed you with. It's amazing when you begin to just thank God for all he's blessed you with. I'm thankful that my splurge meal is not Totino's pizza and Fritos anymore. Praise God for that. I can't tell you the last time I've eaten that meal. I'll be honest with you, it kind of sounds good. I, I don't know. First Thessalonians 5.18. In everything Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It doesn't say, notice the first word there. It doesn't say for everything, give thanks. But in everything, give thanks. First Chronicles 1634. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And his mercy endures, how long? Forever. God is good? And all the time? I'm going to invite the band to come up here. And let me just give you a quick review. Contentment is not found in consumption. Contentment is not found in circumstances. Contentment is not found in comparison. So if I'm going to learn to be content, I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going to enjoy what I have. I'm going to invest in eternity. I'm going to practice the attitude of gratitude. I have one last verse I wanna share with you this morning. Remember what I said at the beginning of the, the message today? John's story, not mine. When he lost his contentment, he realized the thing he needed to be content, he had it the whole time never left him. Hebrews 13, five. Let your conduct be without covetousness. It sounds like what Paul said earlier. Don't be greedy. Then he goes on to say, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And like the keys in my pocket, What I have to be content is with me the entire time. Jesus will never leave me, he'll never forsake me, and he is enough. Is he enough for you? I hope so. We need to learn to be content. I wanna ask you to stand with me this morning. We're gonna close the service as we normally do with a song of worship. But this song is is a simple declaration. It's the goodness of God. And I want us just to celebrate this morning the good and faithful God that we serve. And maybe this morning as we sing, if if you want to come forward and practice an attitude of gratitude and just say, thank you, God, for the blessings of my life. Maybe this morning you want to come forward and say, God, I need to learn.